Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dana Publicover. I'm Ross Chapman. And we are Go-Getters. This is a podcast about ambitions and all the shit that gets in the way. And here we are. Yeah. We first talked about doing a podcast together at Google Sprint Con in 2018. A long, long time ago. Yeah. I can still remember. <laughs> oh, a very different world from the one we live in now. With everything that's going on in our lives and in the world, this is the perfect time to start a new project, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think having a year of being in lockdown and trying to get on with life, I think it's time to put something in the works and try something new. And we're ambitious people and things get in the way. They do. And that's the whole premise of the podcast. And this is our first one. At, this is the first one. So it's, it's probably quite rough, but we're going to get better. And that's this what we is, do. This is we what try we do. things. We try things and, and when they don't work, we try different ways. And that's, I think that's the go-getter lifestyle. Don't you? Yeah. I think, I think the reason we've called it that, just to add backstory, is that I really like the definition of it. You know, you said earlier, you hate it when people say something and then they put the definition in. Well, I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> we, uh, so. Yeah, we were talking about public speaking and how people start their intros with the definition of the word. Yeah. Yeah. Oxford defines <laughs> strategy as... Yeah, so a go-getter is someone who is very energetic, determined to be successful, and able to deal with new or difficult situations easily. Ross, that's us. So how are we going to do that? Have so we got a structure? We have a structure. The format yeah. is a time-boxed conversation in the vein of lean coffee in the style of facilitation with the aid of a time timer, I'm sure, or, or something similar. And we will time box these conversations. So we'll start with life, then we'll move on to industry. And then finally, something we've learned lately, and we'll just share that. Yeah, a repeatable formula. Well, you know, there, there are podcasts that just go pure business and pure design or pure whatever. And I don't think life is like that. I think there are so many things to juggle and manage. And you have to switch between looking after children to looking after the report that you have to do to trying to learn so you actually find some kind of usefulness in the whole mix. So I think having that kind of structure is going to work wonders. So it, should we get also, started? We should. Yeah. Cause it speaks to the messiness of, of being a go-getter and the ambition in general. Yeah. And you're always trying to do something and something is always getting in the way. And that, that format speaks to that. And I also thought it was really important for us both as a mixed gendered team to discuss parenting and challenges. You, you don't see that on a lot of other platforms. So that was something that was really important to us because that's something that we discuss in, in our check-ins and catch-ups and it makes sense. Hmm. So you're going to hit it off. Here we go. Timer set. Okay. What have you got to bring to the table today, Dana? Okay. So here's what's going on in my life. I have almost four-year-old twin boys 
and we are newly arrived in Germany. We've been living here five months. We are five months into lockdown. It's chaos. And the interesting thing about how the German school system works is specifically with the young school, because they're, they're not in real school yet. They're basically an American preschool, which is German Kita. And there's this school adjustment period. So in the U.S., you take your kids to a new daycare, a new school, you drop them off, you wave goodbye, they cry, they lose their minds. You do that a couple days and then they just stop and it's fine. Germany makes you go through this process called Eingewohnung. I think I'm saying that right. And it's kind of a like a very long, slow transitional process where you spend time with the kids at school together. So you go for an hour a day, you're with the kids, and then you take them home. And then you do that for like six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks, sometimes more. And so I've been going for two weeks now. And um, they, I'm finally at the point where they asked me to leave the room for half an hour. I'm like, my, I, my kids don't, they're fine. But they're actually not fine because I think this process is making it harder for them because I'm there. They're used to me not being at school. So I don't know. I, I'm wondering if, is it because you think German women have like a year of maternity leave? So theoretically, this is the first time your baby's been away from you. And maybe that's what the process is. I, I actually, they give me a lot of reassurance because I think they're used to moms who haven't left their children. And I'm like, you know, I was, when they were born, my job was 50 to 65% travel. So I, the first year of their life, I was there half the year, technically speaking. So I have no problem leaving them. I'm fine with that. Um, I think I'm a better mom for it, which is, you know, very controversial to say, but um, no, no problems leaving my kids at all. Love being it, but can't, you know. So they're giving me a lot of reassurance that I think they're used to giving other moms. They're like, it'll be okay. They'll be fine. I'm like, I'm not worried. I just want to go get a coffee. Like, can I leave? Mm. I don't, because you sit in the corner and you'll just like look at your phone and then you're the kids, like you're in the classroom. Yeah. So like kids are coming up to me with their boogery hands. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know what to do in that situation. Hopefully they adjust soon. Yeah. But yeah. So that's, that's what's happening with me. What's happening with you? I feel like I should have way more to say on that, but I, I mine really are did. much older. Yeah. So you had no comment. <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're going through. So my children are older. They are 10 and 12. And I've forgotten what they were like at four. I, I often get reminders from Apple Photos what they used to look like, but I have no idea what their behavior was like. And they are pretty self-reliant. We do remember to remind them to wash themselves sometimes. And they, they've gone back to school here in the UK. They've allowed that to happen. Good. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're doing, they're doing okay. I guess my thing to add on the whole life bucket is that I've realized that I quite like being alone at home. I, I'm really comfortable with working at 
my desk at home because there is just a pure performance element but also some of the comforts of being able to go to your own kitchen and getting your own lunch oh that home-cooked lunch it's so nice and getting the door when a delivery comes and then as the weather is getting better I can just take calls outside and I I don't see there will be a time where I have to meet real people which you Mm. know for anyone future listening we're in kind of 2021 a bit of a lockdown going on and it's quite odd to meet people at the moment so I'm sure that will happen I'm sure I'll have to go to a city or country uh, sometime in the future but at the moment I am just pure happy with just getting on with it I've been trying to get the timer to um it it, it glitched the so it the time the app timer. glitched yeah the app glitched so the time timer the real time timer has glitches we know this in workshops but i have i have glitched the app now so it's actually recreating that in person workshop experience which i kind of enjoy amazing yeah so she's I, glitched. but I, your time I, is up okay <laughs> our time that i mostly consumed but yeah your time is up well now we're moving into industry in the work bucket today i'm imagining buckets buckets and things in buckets Mm -hmm. i'm really keen on trying to solve the problem of hybrid remote working on not because i want to do it but because i know my customers want to do it my colleagues want to do it and it's a hot topic right now it is it is it's pretty early but i I think you can go about it in completely the wrong way, which will remind me of life circa 2019, where you you explain that? Yeah. Yeah. There was a meeting with a client. Most of them were in an office. It was a WeWork in London. The uh, people that were providing the services, myself and a designer, were on a call, and there was a kind of rogue creative director with them and they they called us in we were on our computers they they were talking we were running this agenda it was a couple of hours long and they just couldn't engage with us because we weren't in front of them and they got so far that halfway through the meeting they decided to abandon trying to talk to us and cut the communication short that carried on with the meeting in the room and oh. their rogue creative director pretty much undid all the work that we tried to do and then afterwards said right ross and designer this is the plan and immediately i said that's not going to work and so i am concerned about not going into hybrid with a plan or at least experimenting with how it could work because people will just assume and go back to traditional in-person and we're going to get you on a call type environment. Have you had any experience of that? Like, has that that ever, has a bad hybrid setup ever happened to you? You know, I've, I think I've been working in, in mostly hybrid environments for the last 10 years because most of my teams have been international. So they're, there was a huge emphasis on meeting 
I think it was quarterly in most cases, bringing everybody in somewhere in the world. Um, and, and we had teens in, in China and France and, uh, South Africa. Like we had, we had people kind of all over the place. So it was a very expensive meeting, but we were meeting pretty regularly online. So those quarterly or even semi-annually gatherings were really important to keeping people connected. But it seemed like people would put off conversations or put off certain activities and say, okay, we'll do that when we meet up. When in reality, that wasn't necessary. And that was that was when I was doing kind of my first uh, virtual design sprints. And everyone was really surprised at how it was able to work virtually. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was effective. And it, it's not always going to be as effective as in person. You and I know that. But mm-hmm. there are there are things you can do to redesign instead of recreate the experience. And I think that's what hybrid work culture is going to need because you don't want the people who are off-site to get left out. And you don't want um, – because what, what you're missing are those hallway conversations, right? You're missing the, um, the things we talk about right now that we're missing. I don't know how that's going to work, but it's going to need to be designed and it's going to be, need to be intentional. And I think those are two things that people are kind of hoping will just kind of fall into place just yeah. like they did with remote. Yeah, we, we've got Teams, we've got uh, Zoom, we've got a few other things. We are prepared and it's it's never the tools, it's, it's no. the practice around you- it. Employees are asking for flexibility mm-hmm. and I get the sense that leadership will want to go back to what they are most comfortable with and that would be in person the problem the the kind of rub is that some of them have binned off their office mm-hmm. and now are like well what well, what do we do now so i'm i'm just super interested in, not for myself i'm personally pretty committed to remote work and i will want to meet people in person really for social mm-hmm. pretty much i i try and undo the oh, if we're going to have a serious conversation, then we better have a call. Or if it's a big announcement, it needs to be on email. I, I, don't, I don't get that. No. I, I, I don't think a different medium means a different kind of priority. I think you just use the thing that you're always using, which might be Slack. So if uh, we review top three takeaways for um, maybe considerations in designing a hybrid work? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say I'll start. Number one, uh, there is no one way to do it. Yeah, that's good. You you have to work with the thing that doesn't change, and that's the people. So that's that would be my number one. I think do you have a number two. Be, yeah, I think it needs to be intentional and yeah. and thoughtful and deliberate. I think when you're you need a hybrid work strategy for sure. And I think number three is try a lot of ways and recognize when they're working. And that might be take a few weeks over it rather than try it once and don't use it. The the thing about behavioral change is that I think it takes something like 20, 21, 21 days to develop a new habit, something like that. So give yourself that time. And it may not make sense first. We, we do this at Etch. We have a sales huddle on a Monday. 
and sometimes we experiment with new formats and the first few times it just doesn't make sense people mm -hmm. aren't kind of engaging in it but you have to stay the course and so that culture of experimentation so you need the yeah. you need to try it a couple of different ways in probably low stakes opportunities and you need to see through the experiment to make sure you learn enough to see what doesn't work and what does work so you can move on yeah yeah although i challenge the low stakes i, I think you just oh. go big or you go home um but i think generally people need to feel like they can experiment and uh -huh. not wait or say hey we need to bring an expert in like just google and try and give it a go and be brave about it oh uh, i like that Google, so, try, give it a go and be brave about it. Yeah. Print the t-shirt. That's great. That's, that's my life. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So what do you have to bring to work? Yeah. So my work topic is pricing and value. Oh, good one. Yeah. I've, I've been working with a lot of consultants and freelancers lately in part of my sales development for them. And what I'm learning is people have no idea what to charge no idea what they're worth and no idea how to communicate that value. And it's, it's not that they're not smart or they don't know what they're doing. It's not that at all. I think a lot of that comes from external sources. And when you talk about pricing, you're nervous because you want to make the sale and you don't want pricing to be the reason you don't make the sale, but pricing, you know, as you and I know as experienced consultants, Pricing is very rarely the main decision-making factor. It's value. Yeah. It, it People should choose to work with you because of you and what you do and whether you're building up a relationship or you've had a referral and it's been word of mouth. These, by the way, are the best ways of, of growing your, your customer base. I mean, the, there are still many different ways to get your first few sales or to, to build up your pipeline. But I think the most credible and authentic way is to look at yourself and say, I'm the unique thing here. Mm -hmm. I likely have a unique set of experiences. I'm going to apply those, but also that's going to tell me what kind of customer I can work with. And I think the problem is, and you tell me if you find this is that consultants and freelancers think that it's the price or the the selling of it that is the problem it is usually mm -hmm. way up in the conversation like like early doors right so i have this equation that was gifted to me maybe 10 9 years ago about how to determine your day rate as a freelancer and oh i saw this it's really yeah. good Yes, it is. And it totally works. And, you know, every couple of years I revisit it and I look and it's still, it still rings true. And so what you do is take the annual salary, the full salary that somebody doing what you do in-house would get, um, and, you know, include the benefits package and make it regional, of course. So, you know, what you get paid in London may not be what I get paid here in Hamburg, but look at that and then divide that annual salary by 80. And that is your day rate. Does that mean you're only working 80 days? No, but 80 days is both a really good goal to have booked 
And also your client is paying for everything it takes for you to get to them. So all of your sales, your marketing, your tools, all of your overhead expenses and everything. And so 80 days covers that really nicely. And so one of the conversations I was having and why I wanted to talk about pricing and value is somebody told me, well, my experience has increased. My value has increased. So now my prices have increased. How do I tell my current clients? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's a big deal. You have, I mean, if your price goes up, you got to let them know, right? You can't just start sending a new invoice. Yeah. You, you, you can't do it slyly or, right. or without even pointing at it. Yeah. And you, you also don't want to charge someone the same price for three years in a row without changing. You know, no. that's, they expect it. They're a business too. They know how business works. They will more likely stay with you for the wrong reasons after those three years. 100%. And if you're proving your value, if you're delivering on your promises, if you're doing really good work, they should be happy to keep you and they will see the value in your raised price. So what I, what I've suggested in this situation would be to let them know, Hey, just to let you know, my prices have increased for 2021. You're still grandfathered in at the old rate right now. I'm going to bill you at that rate for the next two billing cycles or 60 days or 90 days or however you invoice. And then after that, you will resume at the new rate, which is XYZ. And, and asking, by the way, yeah. this is, this is probably most relevant when you have exposed your rates to your client. If, if you've been working off project rates or some kind of final total, that won't be that won't be visible to your clients. But if they know that you're a set rate and you know, just just tell us how much it is at the end. We know your rate. That's, that's the time a good to, point. That's the time to have that conversation. Right. Because I think most people now are moving toward a day rate instead of a project rate. Hmm. I think that's the trend. Would you agree with that? I don't know, actually. Oh. I guess more the gig economy is pushing it that way. But also, I think people are pretty tired of these huge estimates that mm -hmm. don't relate. But then you've got value pricing. I don't really know. I, I would have to talk to an expert, Dana. <laughs> Well, the way I'm doing it now, I went from a project rate mm -hmm. uh, to a day rate. And I think it's made everything much more simple because I can, I know how long it takes me to do certain things. So if, if somebody comes to me with a project, they say, okay, this sounds like it's going to be about nine days a month for the next three months. Then they know that they're getting three times nine is 27. So that's 27 billable days which I think for me is so much easier than saying, I don't know, this feels like a $4,500 project. I don't, I don't really know. Um, and it, it sounds, I think it sounds more transparent, mm -hmm. which I think is awesome. And I, I think that's part of the benefit of my client relationships is they are very transparent and they're, they're very aware of how my time is spent for them specifically. And I think they really like that. I don't think you, you have one rate to rule them all either. I think there's a huge difference between working with a small five-person local company to a large multinational pharmaceutical or financial company. I think that's there's, a great point because there's there's an opportunity, but but also from from my past experience, sorry to cut you up, um, is sometimes you won't be 
in those conversations with those larger companies because you're not at the level. Comparatively, service and the, the, the work that they're going to buy from you is either at the same or better than, than what they might be comparing against. But because you're not even in that conversation, because you're not you're the not numbers. In, yeah, you're not playing at that table. No, no. Uh, that's when you have to work in understanding where they're at. and Right. So it was like when I was, um, I had a freelance client in uh, Silicon Valley and I was here, I was working in North Carolina and I was charging what I am able to charge in North Carolina with no questioning. And I send her, oh yeah, like no problem. It's three days of work. Here's, here's what I'm going to charge you for that. And she wrote back and she was like, they will laugh at this and they will not take you seriously. She was like, triple it. I'm like, that seems excessive. I don't know. Are you sure? She said, triple it. So I did. And no, no response. I was, I was cringing. I was like waiting for this email for them to come back and say, ah, you're ridiculous. There's no way we're going to pay you this. And they did. And it's crazy. So I think when I say regional, I really mean somebody in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is kind of an expensive place to live by North Carolina standards. Basically, if you're going to go work with like a Silicon Valley Mountain View client, you're going to need to triple your rate. That's the game. I think that's it for the work section. Okay. Oh, we still that, had time left on the clock. We can use that later. That was pretty easy going. Lovely. Hmm. Let's move on to learning. Yeah. What have you learned? What have I learned? What have you learned? I have learned that you can have an awful lot of fun at a misfortune of a huge ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> You're still on about this ship. <laughs> it's timely. I'm I, tired I, of hearing you talk about the ship. I will move past <laughs> it. But the, the amount of enjoyment we've, I mean, there's very little to give us joy at the moment, but to see a huge ship <laughs> stuck, um, no loss of life. So it's not a kind of sick joke so you can laugh uh, at it yeah you, you can la laugh at it uh and you see the dogs there, there were dogs digging that was really cute <laughs> somebody put dogs down there. there there was there's so many memes there there's you, with the digger like the digger next to the ship yeah uh i i will recount that but not very good for our listeners uh but there is a website where i need to find it quickly because i have done poor research but essentially my buddy Rue uh, shared it on Twitter and <laughs> it is called evergiven-everywhere.glitch.me and it is a website where you can <laughs> they say why should the Suez Canal have all the fun from the comfort of your home you can get the ever given stuck wherever you want it Ever given is the name of the ship, by the way. Uh, drag and zoom the map to move this big old boat somewhere else. <laughs> so, okay, so you're you're giddy with excitement right now over yeah. moving a a digital scale model of a ship to a place on a map. Okay, I need to know where have you stuck this ship? So far, I've stuck it in the local river where mm -hmm. I was shocked to see that it occupies the whole 
uh, volume. I haven't gone too experimental, but it has suggested that we should try sticking in a swimming pool or across the entire Atlantic Ocean. So I obviously have more mileage to to gain out of this. Uh, (laughs) Clearly. uh, I I thought that was just a little highlight uh, where it's, it's been pretty heavy going last few weeks. I've been in workshops, maybe you know, um, and yeah, just a little bit of light relief and way before the sun ever decided to shine, that was what gave me some joy this week. It really did. You're, you're not exaggerating. That is, that is no, no. joy. If, if we'll put it in the show notes, but, um, give it a go yeah. wherever you see an expanse of water, try and put this ship in there. Did you stick it in the Thames? In the Thames, mate. Uh, Yeah, I think the actual length of it uh, kind of resembles a bridge between the two sides. Anyway, you keep on talking. I'll see if I can put it somewhere else. Um, What did did you uh, learn or find this week? Okay, so I am reading a ton of books in 2021, like a ton. Um, I was going to read 50 books because Goodreads lets you set a goal. So I put 50, but then my friend Eva put a hundred and I'm very competitive. So I also put a hundred books. Eva. Eva. Yeah. So now I'm reading a hundred books. I am, I'm done 26. I read two books on Sunday, this Sunday past two. Uh, wow. One was, it's the Bridgerton spinoff. It's actually the prequel series to the Bridgertons. It's the Rokesby's. It's uh, all very nice. I found that pandemic Dana is really into romance novels because they're kind of the only thing that take me out of the reality. There's no consequences. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of like, oh no, will they, won't they? But you know they will. So it's comforting. They're, the narrative is comforting. So anyway, I decided I needed to kind of palette cleanse from the romance. And so I read something that you actually recommended to me many a b- a book hundreds of I years. recommended. Yes, you read a book. B- 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 book. And you recommended it to me. It's The Multi Hyphen Life. Uh, okay. Yeah, Emma. Um, Emma Gannon. Gannon. Yeah. Multi hyphen hyphen method. Multi hyphen method. We're really killing the title there. Method. Emma Gannon. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm really glad you sent it to me. I well told me to read it many years ago, which I rebelled against. But makes sense. Um, I have not highlighted a book this hard in a really long time. So uh, first of all, one of the things that was shocking. Okay, get this. And you read the book, so this isn't shocking to you. But heavy, heavy phone users tap, swipe engage with their phone 5,400 times a day. That's quite a lot. That's a lot. And I I would put myself on the heavy user side. How about you? Yeah, only because my laptop pretty much melts in front of me halfway through the day. So I I move devices. But yeah, uh, yeah, totally, totally get that. That's a lot. It's a lot. Um, So the rest of the book was kind of just reading something that I would 100% agree with or something that I would have said myself if I were smart and researched it. But it was all about um, 
things that I agree with, like you don't need to sit at your desk from nine to five. And that's, that's an ancient construct and it actually doesn't matter and blah, blah, blah. And, um, rebelling against the traditional workplace because of the inflexibility. I mean, that's something that has prevented me from thriving and flourishing in corporate jobs. It's why I'm John to freelance because I can manage my own time. Thank you. I know how to do that. Um, let's see. Oh, the, but what I really loved is the concept of the multi-hyphen life. So I have struggled as you and I have talked extensively about over several years with trying to identify like, what is it I actually do? And I've, I've resisted sales person, sales expert. I've resisted both of those things. Cause I think what I do is in sales, but technically I am selling. So yes. So kind of coming into that, but that multi-hyphen where you don't have to have it limited to one thing. And in fact, uh, as she puts it and, and fill in here, cause I think you read the book a while ago yeah. and thought about it a lot. It's ha having just one role in your life right now is just not compatible. I think what Emma talks about is that she finds enjoyment out of doing lots of different things. And mm -hmm. that is a strength. It isn't a weakness. It's not right. that you haven't decided on what brings you to, to Jack life. Jack of all trades is not a negative connotation. It's not a yeah. negative word. I mean, mm -hmm. from, from your point of view, Dana, you, you are a sales expert, facilitator, photographer, author. <laughs> Can I go on? <laughs> Twin mom. I mean, there, Twin mom, there's, everything. there's so many uh, skills that you can capitalize on those skills and treat it like a, a number of revenue streams or, or mini businesses That's it, that exactly. can grow and contract depending on either market conditions or something really rises and something falls. And right. Whereas if it, you just say, I'm a sales expert, you're leaving off the facilitation piece of it. You're leaving off the writer piece of it. And, and those two things are very important. And, and I yeah. love the idea of including everything that you're good at and everything and, that and, you want to do. And you can succeed through that. You can have multiple revenue streams, but also you, <laughs> you can have kind of delight from many different things. You know, I, I find delight through content creating, making videos, but also facilitating, but also running workshops or, or you know, many different things. Not writing, writing is not my strong suit. Uh, but I should be enabled to do all those things if I want to. And mm -hmm. I think the challenge with employers is that it's very rare for you to step aside from that one role that you've been kind of hired to do sure. and you're not going to get 100% fulfilled so I think it's an awesome book I listened to the audio version of it and I think I've listened to it three times so far so yeah I'm glad you liked it because I, I punched my fist in the air a few <laughs> times when I just heard some kind of delight going on she was talking about um pretending you have to pretend like you're not a mother at work and you have to say like, oh, I have to, I have an appointment, but not like, oh, my child has a doctor's appointment, things like that. I mean, that's, that's a real experience that I had 
And I know that there, there were a lot of things that were a little bit cultural. Cause I think some of the stuff she was saying was just UK relevant. I think, um, mm. women in the U S we get six weeks of maternity leave. I had five bummer for two babies. I should have had mm. twice the time. Yeah, I yeah. think so. But um, I things like that and, and cultural differences, but I think the work culture is very similar. I know one example where they the the employer found that the it was a disadvantage to hire an employee because she was a mother. And that's not cool. That that is that is discrimination to a point. I mean that's and stupid because everybody knows moms can get some shit done. They, they can manage so many different things. Steph, my wife, is super tired all of the time because she's, she's pretty much, she's running the house. She's Writing also amazing books. Creating everything and in a full-time job. And, okay, so she's also, she's a multi-hyphen. Can we talk about yeah. that for a second? She's amazing. So works a full-time job, takes care of those kids writes really good romance novels by the way bt dubs records amazing music she's a super talented musician mm -hmm. and we should we should link to her album too she has a new she has a new single yeah yes very good constellation prize is her yeah which her is group. making the rounds on tiktok at the moment which is, is it? super fun oh, yeah good. someone included it on their content <gasps> and it's some kind of uh russian snack type thing and okay. like loads of views um that's but amazing. yeah she she is a multi-hyphenate she is yeah walker she loves walking at the moment oh. <laughs> she, she could walk for britain that's uh, amazing yeah i've so been walking I, uh a mile it's a mile from here to the kids school okay, and yeah. i'm because no one in germany is vaccinated i'm a little nervous about taking the train so uh, it's, it's one Makes train sense. stop or kind of a 20 ish minute walk with a huge stroller full of what I think amounts to about a hundred pounds of children. And so, you mentioned there's cobbled streets, which is yeah. an extra obstacle on, on the way. I have a very, like my, my stroller may as well have like an American flag and a picture of like an Eagle on it. It it's so outs me as an Auslander. It looks like America. It is like an SUV of strollers because it's a twin stroller, double wide. It's big. It's huge. It's red, and the wheels yeah. stick. So it's so. like a big truck in a <laughs> in a European town. And all these moms have these <laughs> tiny little strollers, and I haven't seen any twin moms with strollers, mm. but I've seen some people with double strollers, but they're like stacked vertically. They're like bunk beds. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was our timer for um, for learning. That was quick. Okay, was fantastic. And I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? We'll put all the links in the show notes, mm -hmm. and we want to kind of encourage the feedback loops that we get from our work and life to yeah. this podcast as well. So, yeah, don't be gentle. We can take it. Be a little uh, gentle. <laughs> But it's been a number of years getting to this point, and we're going to have to record a ton of podcasts just to make any headway in the charts. So, yeah, tell us what you want to hear. Also, if there's any topic that's of interest that you think you'd like to hear Ross or I speak to, absolutely suggest it. We're open-minded. 
So take your ambitions, try to do as many of them as you can and try to ignore all the shit that gets in the way. Don't let it get to you. There's always shit. So Ross, what is your ambition for next week? Well, aside from editing this podcast, because <laughs> I think you suggested that I should do that. I did nominate you, yes. Okay, I'll do that. I want to get more content onto Instagram. You've been pretty hot on it the last few weeks, I and I feel like I'm getting left behind. And it is my favorite social media, Instagram. Yeah, I'm going to share some top tips on facilitation, design thinking, and anything that sounds really complicated to my parents. I'm going <laughs> to make it super simple because like pretty much everyone I know, including my employer, no one knows what I do. So Great. I need to really break it down. How about you, Dana? What are you going to achieve over the next week? Okay. So my, my next week is focused on finishing the course materials for Pitchcraft. Pitchcraft is my sales course for, uh, it's like a hybrid sales coach course for freelancers and consultants. It's a week long. It's middle of April. I've got to finish up a couple of the materials and then I'm going to run through the workshop and just make sure that I'm happy with where it goes. So that is what I'm doing. And I'm hoping I get maybe three to four more people signed up. That's my nice. ambition. Yeah. Where can people find more about that? Uh, they can find about it on my, on the show notes, I guess, because I'll put a link in there, but uh, it's good show. my website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So if you liked this podcast, please, please, please leave a review as that helps all of the algorithms direct other people to the podcast. You can subscribe, which also helps the algorithms. In fact, a subscribe and a review means this podcast is awesome and other people will find it. And you can follow us on Instagram. And based on Ross's ambition for Instagram, I'm sure it's going to be full of other things too. And that is at Go Getters Pod. Awesome, Dana. Thank you. See you next time. See you next time. Have a great week. (laughs) 